How has Greek life benefited your college experience? And for the alumni, prepared you for after graduation into your professional career? What would you like to change about Greek life? Where does social and economic justice fit into our organization's missions and daily actions? Hello, my name is Francisco Escobar and Latin Entertainment presents Conversamos. Is it that wrong? I'm making a song, I'm taking it back for the platform that I formed. You should chop it and transform. I run the reservoir, the predator, like a hungry carnivore when I'm breaking through these heavy. We have an expert panel ready to discuss Latina Greek life. But first, please check out our fundraising initiative for this episode. Do an old ride recovering fund, a fund to support black and brown companies affected by the riots in Lake Street, Corridor, Minneapolis. They are dedicated to rebuilding Minneapolis in a way that ensures the cultural beacons are restored. Also, this episode's business spotlight is Wholethread, a clothing designer's platform that provides customers with a marketplace to find clothing that truly appeals to them. Make an account on Wholethread. Go to the region feature on the website, which gives you exclusive access to designers and the clothing brands from New York to Shanghai and everywhere in between. Lastly, if you like to collect information from your Greek organization and create your very own brother, sister, and family-owned list server, check the link in the description below. Copy and edit fit into your organization and their members. Then send it to conversamos.latinidad at gmail.com to be part of the larger shared database that will be distributed later in the year. This is when Greek life engages with cooperative economics. Let's support each other. Now let's get into our panel. We have Sergio Gael, Alberto Jacinto, Raisa Escobar, Jeremy Watson, David Orta, Danieli Gote, Brian Noel Diaz, and Luis Humberto. Thank you all for joining us. And for our first question, how has Greek life benefited your college experience? And for our alumni, prepared you for your professional career? Uh, I'm a first-generation student, right? Um, Second-generation American, first-generation student from uh, an urban education environment, right? And, you know, for better or worse, I was underprepared for college. And I think that being um, all of those intersecting experiences in my upbringing, and then kind of being just supplanted and put into a new predominantly white, pervasively white college environment was a big shock for me, right? And I think that um, for so many ways, being in a Latino fraternity really gave me the opportunity to, to be with my, my people in a, a familiar environment, right? Looking back, uh, one of the ways that I didn't realize that my fraternity and being involved in Greek life was helping me was actually learning, um, you know, how to navigate institutions, how to manage and lead organizations in in ways that I had not been previously exposed to, right? Like having limited professional role models and, and you know, um, limited experience or exposure to uh, quote-unquote professional, you know, spheres. 
um, you know, the fraternity gave me that insight and that uh, ability to to learn that skill set, right? So even just kind of on a, on a concrete level, I think that that exposure to um, you know other Latinos who were professionally minded and professionally oriented uh, really prepared me for for the real world. I think as an undergrad, I was well, still am in a very male dominated space. I am in technology. That's what I study as an undergrad. I was in cybersecurity, and now I do digital marketing on the SEON. But just finding that community of strong women, professional women as an undergrad when I was so young and still trying to find myself and navigate the college life it was so important to me. And I'm forever blessed for the hermanas and the mentors I have gained as an undergrad. And now as a full professional out in the space, out in the real adult life, I see how I am now a currently a mentor to younger women who are still trying to find themselves as an undergrad, just navigating life in general. So in regards to just benefiting overall, I think it's the mentorship and just the professionalism as a woman that I've grown to be um, thanks to my sorority. The two things that come to mind, uh, definitely like uh, Larissa was saying before, uh, in the sense of community, I'm a part of Iota Phi Theater Fraternity Incorporated and as a historically uh, black organization, I felt welcomed uh, in, in the spaces provided for me in my previous identities. Although being uh, Dominican, I felt embraced and I felt like I could thrive within uh, these group of mentors and leaders. Uh, secondly, um, through the course of my undergraduate into my graduate career, uh, I went to, I just recently graduated from Teachers College in the Higher and Post-Secondary Education Program. And I think a scholarship is an essential value to our organization. And I think we'll have a negative stereotype of our types of organizations and I think it's just an excellent job that we do in the sense of uh, creating that culture of an academic uh, support system and, you know, encouraging others to, to further their education. I think they really enforce that and help me really, you know, uh, be successful in these spaces. Thank you, Brian. And Jeremy? Um, my situation is unique in the sense that I pledged the organization after I finished my postgraduate work after I was already established in my career. I pledged the organization at 33 years old. And so I think one of the main reasons why I wanted to pledge the graduate induction process uh, closely related to identity. Um, coming, or rather growing up as a African-American male, but also navigating through my my latino culture trying to figure out who i am on both sides you're either not black enough to be with the black ones not spanish enough to be with the spanish ones and when i found this organization and granted i found it like 15 16 years ago uh making the decision to pledge at such an older age uh well beyond my undergraduate years was a no-brainer because uh, here was a group of men who love to give back to their community, who um, celebrated culture and scholarship, just as Brian said, uh, I identified with, like I, I closely related to. I think that my pledging um, was the capstone to figuring out who I was as a Latino, um, as a, as a, just a, a brother within Latino unity, uh, 
you know, I, I could say like uh, it could have been easily another organization, but I think like I found the right one that was made just for me. And, uh, you know, my work with the organization of my brothers have started here and gone, you know, way up. And I couldn't be any more grateful for the people who've been introduced into my life. To answer the question, how has it prepared me for post-college? I think like being a part of this organization has helped me network in ways that I never probably could. And I've only been in an organization for about a year and a month. And I have to say, like, if it wasn't for uh, the Defy, like, I wouldn't even be succeeding in, like, giving lectures to college students or even, like, being considered at college level for work. It's just all-encompassing. Like, I'm super grateful for it. Awesome. Now, Daniele? Well, since here in Puerto Rico, we actually are all Latinos. We don't have that division that usually you see in the United States. We have that. Don't get me wrong, we do. But we do not... That's not what we focus on the person. We don't focus on the person because of their appearance. But what has benefited me for my college experience has been mostly that since the first day of my college, I was really scared. I just, that was like a new experience. You were, you don't know where you are. This is actually really needed for you. And I was actually like, they presentaron, which is when they sign you up for the sorority for you to like apply or whatever. And that's how I felt. I felt like I find it, I finally found people that understand me that, I can bond with. I'm not alone. And it's really nice. And personally, I haven't passed through the experience, but most of my friends that already graduated. They have received a lot of help from the women that are in the SONA, which is actually the ex-alumni from iSority. And the women from the SONA has actually helped a lot of our um, chapter girls reach their goals, not only in jobs that they help us find. They actually join us together in whole Puerto Rico. So we actually travel Puerto Rico to our summer goals and everything. We have like different types of ways where we can grow in our college and professional life. Thank you. And Alberto? Um, but it definitely felt like a kind of a culminating experience for me in college. Um, you know, I was part of a freshman socialization program. I made friends there and then I had my, you know, close friend group. But um, crossing kind of, um, you know, put me into this new world of people and um, definitely had a fun last year of college. Um, <clears throat> in my, I guess, professional or out of post undergrad experience, um, I would say like our network is kind of small, especially since, you know, aside from me being new, a lot of the people are in um, the professional schools, medical school, dentistry and all that. There's three of us in graduate school and doctoral programs specifically. So, um, you know, if I'm gonna, ever in a city, I'll go hit up one of my brothers and, you know, hang out at one of the conferences and stuff. It's been nice to connect with people that way. I, I can hear a lot of my experience resonate with a lot of stories. And, and the reality is that here in the Texas-Mexico borderlands, we also are not like a um, multiracial place. Like most of us are Mexicanos. Like where I went, it was 92% of the student population was of Mexican descendants. So... You know, I, I, I never experienced the otherness um, until I left. But the otherness that I did experience was growing up as a queer individual on the border. Um, you know, it's like Texas is hella conservative. Uh, being Mexican and Catholic is really conservative. 
Um, I felt like the fraternity was going to be a sort of cloak to my queer identity. Um, and in reality, when I left to Michigan, um, I came out to my fraternity brothers before I came out to my real family. Um, so it just goes to show like the power of trust that we sort of lay upon. Um, so that's one of the things I think that the fraternity really helped me cement and find a foundation of who I was, who my identity was, because I knew I was Mexicano, I knew that I was a man, but I didn't know that my queerness could also be explored and accepted within a all-male, you know, space. It, it was nothing that I had ever experienced, because I always grew up in cheerleading and dance and choir and all these more effeminate spaces, um, as they would be traditionally imposed. Thank you, Sergio. And Luis? Why? Well, my experience with the brick world has always been um, most of the cases of uh, one of hypocrisy. Although I have met excellent people and had good time with the group world, it's not one for adults. Uh, we can collaborate in, in, in like um, activities uh, to raise funds or collaborate in civic works. But even with these, within these collaborations, uh, you can notice the hypocrisy and the psychological media fight of who gets the leading role in the activity. But it's fine. It doesn't mean uh, there's no genuine people in the group world, but the mass is not. Uh, but it will all come back on what do you want to do inside, you know. United, united the Greek world, it has tremendous potential. Uh, separated is only a constant competition. Uh, this is like an objective perspective, you know. It doesn't mean we don't establish genuine relationships. Uh, and, like, I have a good friend from sororities and fraternities, like Daniele here. Uh, but in my fraternity, I have met genuine and extraordinary people. Sometimes that is very, very difficult to find, I'm sorry in this contemporary society. Um, people who transcend the bond of fraternal friend and becomes, like, you establish a bond of, uh, of brotherhood. Um, so it's been an environment that has helped me develop as a leader and surround myself with um, competent people aligned with top, top um, like, with tops, um, uh, like mine. And... Yeah, people who want to be the best at what they do or study and always have in mind or primary goal that is to help others. And that's something very hard to find, honestly. But I'm only an undergraduate student. Uh, student. I started up in software engineering in the, my West Campus in the University of Puerto Rico and did my studies in psychology uh, with change. But I don't know the experience post-university because I haven't lived it. But I could say... This fraternity is a crowd of leaders, like if that. not those who develop within will be. So I Thank you for all your responses. Now, what would you like to change about Greek life? David? One of the things I really valued about joining my fraternity uh, when I did in, in my undergrad was that it provided me with a space to be myself. It provided me, uh, you know, space to to enjoy Latino culture, right? To, to speak Spanish, to um, live life like I did back home. It was like a home away from home, right? I think that's the phrase that we use pretty often in, in a lot of our uh, circles. Um, at the same time, I think that insulary experience was um, not necessarily reflective of like the real world. You know, a lot of times the competition uh, that that is generated between fraternities. Um, you know, I think in my experience, there was a lot of that, right? Like there was a lot of that, that hostility, um, that competition, the rivalry, right? Um, that, that sometimes escalated into like physical, 
violence and sometimes, um, but a lot of times just on social media, right? Like even all of that. Um, and I think, you know, that is an issue that is, again, to Luis's point, right, is, is a little bit hypocritical, right? Because uh, one of uh, a common value among many Latino Greeks is Latino unity, right? Like we, we claim to be about uh, united, being a united front and, um, you know, uh, building community, but in reality, um, it doesn't always play out that way, right? Um, and I'd say that if there was one thing that, that should change, I mean, it, based on my undergraduate experience, right, uh, that that's, that's a big part of it, right, that I think that we need to figure out ways to move beyond that, right? Um, you know, reflecting as, as a professional, right, I've learned that as, as, as big as the world might seem when we're, when we're in undergrad, right, it's, it's a lot bigger. At the same time, uh, communities are smaller, right? Yeah, Luisa? Awesome. I feel like David and Luis took the words out of my mouth because that's exactly what I have written down in terms of my undergrad experience. It's sort of a popularity contest. Greek language, you get too wrapped into it. It could become more of like a high school feel. And I, for, I feel like people forget their focus and why they join a specific fraternity or uh, sorority in the first place. I've always said that the letters never made me. I made the letters and, and I just say that to say that some people need the letters to feel like they're important or that they're cool or it gives them an extra like boost of confidence, whatever that is. Some people live and die for the letters. I as well, but you shouldn't forget that you're more than letters. At the end of the day, you are studying something. You're going to be an adult in your post undergrad life. So I feel like in regards to one thing that I just looking back and that I personally would change from my experience is just connecting with women outside of my sorority. Now that I'm an adult, I connect with so many women. I've even made more friends with sorority women outside of college versus when I was an undergrad, which is really sad because I feel like undergrad, that's when you could collab and create amazing events. You have so many opportunities as an undergrad that you probably don't have in as a as an adult, you don't get a budget to just create events and do stuff on campus. You have a voice as an undergrad. So, yeah, just looking back, I think reducing the cattiness between women, at least in New York, I feel like it's very, very important. Uh, I would definitely go back and just change a couple things about, like, my personality as well and just how I approach the situation as an undergrad. I feel like women really need to come together. And that's one thing I preach the undergrads currently because I don't want to see that cycle continue, at least for New York. I don't know how it is outside of New York, but New York is, is very catty. You know, Jeremy. <laughs> Sorry, that was like, <laughs> but that's one big thing that hopefully is a big takeaway and you can't sugarcoat it. I think like in regard to other Greek social organizations and how we treat one another and especially within our own organization and outside, Yes, it's a bit catty. I think, uh, for the sake of this conversation, I want to say that it's a it's a human thing. Uh, feeling like we're in high school, debating with one another, uh, these social constructs. Yes, it does feel very much like high school, but I think that that's an issue that uh, is addressed within human interaction with one another. Um, I think that Greek life and what one of the issues is is we bring that into this this space 
we, we take what happens out in the outside world and we bring it into this Greek unity world where it continues. And like, I'm sure that all of our organizations stand for great philanthropic, uh, you know, ven ventures. And I'm pretty sure like there are things that we hold close to our heart that we stand for, but we have no more space for the bullshit, excuse my language. We shouldn't be bringing that within Greek life. We shouldn't be bringing that into our own personal organizations. And I think that's where we fall short because if we hold ourselves to a certain standard, uh, particularly because we do wear these letters and these letters represent more than ourselves, we should be holding ourselves to a higher standard and we don't. Um, and that to me is frustrating because although I can advertise my fraternity and my chapter, you know, to kingdom come at the end of the day, if this, if there's still a discourse or a disconnect within my own chapter or organization, all the good that we do falls to the wayside. You know, it's it's a conversation about less about what we did for the community and more so about how we're dissing each other. We're talking bad about one another. We shouldn't have a rivalry between organizations. No one says that competition is bad. Competition is awesome, particularly because if I see a Fiona brother or a LSU or LUL brother in their community doing awesome things. Oh, now I want to get lifted to fly on board or I want to be the, the leaders within my Latino movement. But all of that sunshine, all that praise, all of that goodness just goes away when we lower our standards and we don't hold ourselves accountable. Um, I think that that's lacking, accountability. But another thing that I do want to say is that having membership in my organization opened a lot of doors when I left to Michigan. So I left um, at age 24 to do my PhD, literally from the border to the border with Canada, 25 hours away from home. And when people, my organization was not on campus, was not at the University of Michigan. Um, when Sigma Lambda Gamma members started finding out that I was part of the organization and then Sigma Lambda Beta and LTA and Lambda Theta Phi, they started finding out like, who are you and why haven't we known you? And they just opened their doors to me and I felt um, a community that I didn't know existed um, that could be found just by sharing letters, even if I was not sharing the same letters as them. So I was very appreciative of the sort of small knit community that I found um, because I did attend a PWI, um, I'm currently attending a PWI, but the small pocket of Latinos and people of color that were in Greek lives um, at Michigan were very accepting. And I think that it helped my psyche and it helped my, my sanity, to be honest. Yeah, just to basically echo everything you all have been saying, um, I think just Greek life and nature, uh, it can be perceived as pretty much uh, segregated or just breeding exclusivity. One of the things that I have noticed um, is that because we are siloed into our different groups, sometimes it does, um, not only does it harm the potential of different like candidates or people of interest in these organizations, we definitely do deprive or deter diversity within these groups. And that's something that, I, that it's always been important to me that if someone has a particular interest in, a, in an organization that might not reflect their identities, that it would be okay for them to learn and explore those, those ideals and cultures because there might be some intersectionality there and that's one of the main reasons why um, I venture out of, of Latinx organizations or um, other cultural organizations. I felt um, I, could, I could assimilate better with my, 
with my organization. And I think that if we can tackle sort of those issues and not perpetuate the same, um, I guess, models that we're trying to perpetuate within our groups, that it, um, we can definitely reach out to a lot of people and, you know, affect people in different ways. Thank you, Brian. And Alberto? So I wish uh, fraternities would stop being so, like, rapey and misogynistic towards women. Um, at least in my, uh, my university, at a fraternity, apparently some of the brothers had, like, rape charges against them, you know, where they, like, filmed the rape, apparently, of a sorority, one of the, like, Latina sorority sisters. And, you know, they're, like, the name of their house, their party house is, like, the butcher, butcher shop or whatever. It's kind of, like, gross and... You know, rumors of relaxers and the drinks and all that. And even in, you know, I'll say my own fraternity, um, just like misogynistic language toward, you know, some of the women in you know, other sororities and in the South Asian community. You can actually see it also in Puerto Rico, which that's something I would personally would like to change because since we're not only dealing with people with personally my age, which I am currently 21, so, and I pledged when I was 18. So you're currently dealing with people that are like 18 years old till 80 because we're not really, we don't really divide ourselves when we go to like pledge weeks. We usually see people from different age types. And if you go to a fraternity one, which is actually not all fraternities and don't get me wrong, this I shouldn't like generalize this. This just happened once and it's something that I would really like to change because it like makes us feel like the sorority that every time we pledge new girls, the guys are like, Oh my God, they're new girls. They're new people in the group. There's new people to meet and that's fine. But don't go to them wanting something else. If you just want to meet them, you want to say hi, it's fine. I, I really would like to change that because it's really unfair since at some point you don't feel comfortable going to the activities from fraternities or sororities because I'm not, don't get me wrong, you can also see it from the girl side. Like that personally happened to me with one sorority in Puerto Rico with one of the girls, which was like, it was awful. And it's, it's something I would I generally like to change. We need to go back to the root of our organizations, not only of our individual organizations, but of Greek life in general. And for those that don't know, Greek life in general was created by, yes, white men, but as a way to protest against um, the educators that were being so against them. Now, this is the way in which these sort of societies came to be. And if you think about it, I mean, all of us are people of color within the U.S. parameters. The universities in which we're in were not designed for us. They're not designed to, to you know, to accommodate us, even if... Universities have their diversity, equity, inclusions. There's always going to be plot holes because they don't understand what it is like to have a father who was deported. They don't understand to be a first-generation American. These people that are creating these legislations have been bred into these lines, right? So I think that a lot of what we have to do is think of who we were and not forget that. Um, in my experience, I feel like the, com the, comp the competitions comes from who can throw the best party, who can have the best recruitment week, who can do the best paddles, who and it's all becoming materialistic. And I think that why our organizations came to be, it became as a creator of space, but we already have that space. Now, what are we going to do with it? Right. And I applaud everybody that came before in our organizations 
because they did something. But now what are we doing to better our organizations? And I think that a lot of it comes from um, a reflective nature that maybe not a lot of us can tap into, right? We need to really sit down and say, well, who are we as a structure? Who am I as a larger component of this organization? And how can I find some purpose within this? Right? There are two types of civic work, work uh, to say it like that. Um, the one that you do to make an appearance or to simply do something for other people to, to watch, you know. Uh, and the other is study and have a real impact on the sector you're, you're going to help. Both of these civic works are good, but one is, the, one is genuine and one is not. So what I would like to change in the Greek world is bring that uh, like genuine, uh, uh, how do you say, um, genuine civic work. Because uh, uh, a lot of people just do this stuff so they can took up the photo, you know, post it on Instagram. Oh, here I, here I am uh, uh, helping people. That's fine. Excellent. But uh, I don't know. I, I have to work with that in my fraternity because uh, I don't have, I, I don't really have uh, public relationships. Uh, like uh, I don't post many things. I'm now working with the social medias. But we do a lot of work that impact uh, or or like or, or society per se, we, we even have been recognized uh, by the legislation of San Juan. Uh, nobody knows that, you know, only us. Thank you. And to extend on that, because amongst my time being a Latino Greek, I've seen a brother from Land of Theta Phi saluting in protest of Arizona SB 1070, the National Panhellenic Council having a virtual national town hall with the Poor People's Campaign, the National Call for More Revival, and the various relief efforts during Hurricane Maria from Fraternidad Phi Sigma Alpha, Sororidad Eta Gamma Delta, and Phi Oda Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Therefore, my question is, what responsibilities do our fraternities and sororities have to social and economic issues? The, the answer is really implicit in the question, right? That it is our, it is our responsibility. You know, if we could take a step back and, and think about, you know, Gael really hit the hammer, on, the, the nail on the head here, right? Like there's, there's very limited reflexivity. And I think that as a community, uh, a lot of organizations are growing, are growing in that respect, right? Like I think we're in a new um, generation right now where there is a lot of uh, mindfulness around, you know, privilege and status and, and, and power, right? Um, especially now on social media, like earlier today, um, you know, the sort the sort of civic engagement and and um, awareness kind of branch of the, of our fraternity leadership um, posted this kind of prompt around really being calling on brothers to be reflective on anti-blackness, right? Which is a huge huge issue in in the Latino community, like nationally, right? Internationally, globally, right? And that's like one step, right? I, I think we need to look within ourselves individually, but also as organizations, right? You could write a whole dissertation, guy it is, right? Um, toxic masculinity and how that prevails and how that is embedded in many of like the practices of fraternities. And, and uh, we see that, we've seen that in this conversation. I think looking outward is also the other, the other way that we need to, to think about this. As, as alumni, as graduates, right? Um, Keeping, keeping that spirit alive of, of being involved in our, in our organizations 
in a way that continues to lead them in in that self-aware kind of approach, right? Is is one way that we do that. You know, moving continuously in that direction is is um, you know it's it's on us. Our civil duties as members of Greek life it goes it exceeds way beyond just your undergrad years. It's just not oh I'm going to do this community service as an undergrad and then forget about it once I graduate. No, I feel like one important thing as a member of Greek life is instilling that and the values in yourself. I feel like always giving back is important. Always being part of something bigger than yourself is important. Even what's happening in our climate today, everything around George uh, Floyd, I think how are we, how are we engaging in these conversations and how are we standing up for other people, especially people of color? I feel like it's our civil duty just to do that as human beings. Like forget the letters, forget everything. It's more about just humanity. And I think everybody should have that, just some sort of civil duty that allows them to give back to the world. The best way in which we can continue to shape our communities is just the way that we model those values and set those examples for others. I don't think there are any limitations to how we can interact and serve as a resource uh, to others that haven't had the collegiate experience that we've we've all had, whether it's undergraduate or graduate. I think it's especially, um, the ball is in our court in the sense that, you know, we've been giving these resources and we have all of these theories and ideas that um, may be challenging to the people in our community, but because we, you know, know better, I think it's one of our responsibilities as fraternity members, sorority members, regardless, you know, of our affiliations to continue to challenge uh, some of these more conservative ideals and, and mindsets and, and to really push um, for, for more understanding. So when it comes to responsibility, um, again, like it's limitless and, you know, we are definitely put into these positions for a reason um, and we should make the most of it. Thank you, Brian. And, and Jim? For me, I have to talk about the things that are happening on the local level because I'm in New Jersey, New York City area, and not only are we dealing with the deaths of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, but we're still in a pandemic. And, um, you know, that's taking a toll on, on many of us in some form or fashion. So some of the things that we're doing is like, uh, I know for my graduate chapter to empower the Latino youth, we've been giving workshops on financial literacy. I've been giving workshops on how to deal with COVID-19. Some of our undergraduate chapters have started taking donations uh, to help COVID families. Um, you know, we're, it's so many things that my organization is trying to do for our local communities that it's just really hard to try to go through all the things that are happening right now. Uh, I'm extremely proud of the work that we've done, but you know, there are other organizations who are working just as hard and doing things that are just as powerful within the overall Latino community. Um, I think that one of the main responsibilities that we all share is taking care of one another. You know, no matter what color we rep or what letters we wear, it's important that we take care of each other. So just like how my brothers and sisters are in Puerto Rico, when things happen, you know, we support you too. And 
it is our hope that when things happen, you support us as well. And so if that is not happening, it should. Something that I really want to point out is that the fraternidad, which fraternity, which is where Luis is, the Phi Sigma Alpha, is currently the only fraternity in Puerto Rico that has an awareness towards women, to, towards women abuse. And actually, this, if I'm not mistaken, it's the only one. But it's something that you can really realize that with such small people, small groups of people, you can make something out of it. Like if wow. we unite the whole sorority in Puerto Rico, which is actually where four chapters and eight zonas, which in total we're like 300 to like 800 active in the sorority, which is something in Puerto Rico that's like, that should, that's like a little bit big. And we do make our protests individually to things we do care about. So I think we do have the ability to make a change. We just have to know the right techniques to get there. One of the questions that I think is, because I obviously speak from a point of reference of males, right, um, is what would happen to fraternities if they would lead with a feminist agenda? Um, and, and I think feminists, not in the traditional sense, but most of the feminists that I work with that have inspired me lead with compassion and love. And they have taught me things that even my own mother hasn't taught me, right? Like I have a bunch of academic moms that I call them like, they're my academic mom, I tell them. Um, and something that Louise mentioned earlier is that there is a lack of uh, emotional maturity. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but making a guy do 10 push-ups is not making them a better man. Um, we're creating so much just roughness within what already is a rough childhood that most men grow with being that we don't lead our lives to be compassionate members of society. Um, and we don't lead with love because we don't know how to love. And sometimes, um, we were not shown love. Sometimes people, I mean, Bell Hooks says that she interpreted as abuse as love because she was told, well, I'm hitting you because I love you. You know, and, 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 and I think that we need to have better conversations about what it means to love it, what it means to care, because once you start caring and leading with love, like with your heart, then that's when you start creating change. I think that if you pose a question of how we can impact the larger structures, it, we might be buried in a hole because we don't know. It's such a, there's so much going on in the world right now that we don't know how to tackle it. But if we focus on what can we do with in us and within those that are close to us um, for those of you that are pledging the next generation for those of you that are mentoring these new members teach them how to love and teach them how to express themselves and teach them how to be kind to themselves and to one another because i think that within the self you project betterment for for the larger community and and it really needs to start with a reform about um, the self so i think that the biggest social change that we can enact on is tapping into our hearts and our humanity um and then i know that it will create a ripple effect and people are going to start building this sort of emotional consciousness and it's going to trickle out to our society thank you sergio and luis hablando de la responsabilidad que tiene la fraternidad y las sororidades este dentro de la sociedad en la economía y el cambio cívico pues este dentro de la fraternidad de nosotros siempre se promulga el ser líder y se creen líderes somos no como todos somos, pero nacen líderes y se ve en la sociedad incluso cuando el colegio la en Puerto Rico uh, no hay 
en la universidad solamente. Es parte de quién tú eres en la sociedad puertorriqueña. Like, fraternities are not only in college, it's, it's uh, in your daily life en, en Puerto Rico. Um, but, este, ¿cómo les digo? Um, nosotros hemos tenido gobernadores puertorriqueños de AFG, hemos tenido líderes excelentes para recaudar fondos benéficos como Raymond Agieta. Tenemos ahora mismo el presidente de la Asociación de Médicos de Puerto Rico, Yusef Galit Fiol, excelente persona, extraordinaria, personas que se destacan dentro de la sociedad, que aunque no tienen un reconocimiento por ser parte de la fraternidad, tienen su reconocimiento personal y, y profesional dentro de sus respectivas áreas. Este, que a lo que quiero llegar es que no, no es que responsabilidad nosotros tenemos, es como nosotros podemos ejercer el, el ser líder dentro de nuestra sociedad y poder ayudar realmente en nuestros sectores. Por ejemplo, mi capítulo es en San Juan. Entonces, es mi deber como presidente del capítulo de San Juan ejercer la ayuda, no simplemente yeah. quedarme en la filosofía. Entonces, hemos hecho un sinnúmero de, de, de labores que no simplemente se quedan en un abstracto, sino se llevan a la acción y se le dan recurrencia, o sea, que son constantes. Y al igual que en Mayagüez, ellos se encargan de su sector por nosotros, y Ponce se encarga de su sector por nosotros, a pesar de que tenemos distintos capítulos, somos una fraternidad, although we have different chapters, we are only one fraternity. But, um, yeah, that's what I have to say about the questions. It's not about uh, what happens, um, responsibilities we have, it's about how... How we, how we take action in our daily life, uh, you know, um, towards these problems. Okay. Yeah, which actually just to go with that, what he said, when during the earthquakes in Puerto Rico, it usually affected the south side. And actually, Luis and his fraternity and his chapter in San Juan, which we weren't that affected in San Juan. And he actually did called a lot of people and we got a lot of um como se dice? we got all the materials that the south side needed the west side needed south west side needed and actually him and like i think three or more his fraternity brothers rode like two hours to give them food and water and clean water, clothes, because they didn't have clothes. Nobody could be in their houses at that point because they never know if the house was going to fall down on them. It was really awful. It was really something else. And actually, one of the trips I went with Luis and we experienced an earthquake, which was really surreal. You don't really know the fear that they have until you live it. So it's actually, that's what's something that he really said, which is really true. Like, it's not... The sorority doesn't make us. We make the sorority and we stand out as people because of our leadership and our energy. And, well, yeah, I'm basically just agreeing with what Luis said. And it's really good. So, yeah. Thank you. And, yeah, Jim? Even, even earlier this, I think it was like a couple of days ago, but and it, this is not even talked about in the media. Another black man, he was trans, though, was murdered by police during a protest. Right, and we got the ones that are orange. <laughs> orange yeah. Right, and it's like trans identity too. Like, where are you? Like, well, you have to. Anyway, actually, I digress. Actually, that's something that I didn't. I don't think that got 
to the news in the United States. But um, I, I'm, I imagine you guys are also familiar with Babylonia, so I'll just give that example like with it. Um, we had this transgender woman named Alexa. She was schizophrenic and she was holding always a mirror. One day she went to, the, she was homeless actually. One day she went to the bathroom, if I'm not mistaken, with the mirror and the people in the bathroom were claiming that she was using the mirror to watch them. Later on, like if I, two days later, like a day later, a video of her came out of people jumping on her and killing her because of what she did. And that is something that we, I am, just gives me chills. That's something I am really against. That's what's thin on that. What are your thoughts on fraternities who are opening up their memberships to any individual who identifies as male and sororities who are opening up their membership to any individual who identifies as female, regardless of their sex assigned at birth. Yeah, Alberto? I think a lot of uh, my perception of fraternities is that, you know, they're cisgender, heterosexual guys, right? You know, these people have a lot to benefit and learn from, you know, what it means to be a man or, you know, identify as a guy. And I don't know, to me it's not about just, you know, having this hegemonic idea of masculinity or it's like, you know, I guess you could say like alpha male, I guess is a term that a lot of people use. Just when I was rushing, I told, um, I was like a junior at the time, I told them, I was like, you know, you have to know that I'm queer and like they, sh you know, if they have an issue with it, then that's not for me because like I'm too old, you know, for this shit. Like, to be putting up with people's, you know, stuff, it was nice that they were kind of, you know, open to me, um, you know, rushing and touching and all that. But, you know, I think it, you know, they have fraternities have a lot to benefit from you know, having different groups of people. Yeah, um, actually, that's something um, my sorority was talking about in last year general meeting, which we have a yearly general meeting, and we do, like, things to the book we follow the rules from and everything. Actually, in the book states that you can only pledge you can only be part of the sorority if you are a, if you are if you were born a female and you have a credit um it's, i don't think it's called credit um the the classes specific types of classes in the in the university if you don't comply with all of them you can't like submit and be part of it but i strongly believe this is a topic we're going to talk about and overall and I strongly do believe they should allow transgender women or women that or people that just feel that they are women and that's something I think that will be changing in the future which actually when in the 1920s 1930s you couldn't um, become one of a sorority sister from one of our sorority sisters if you didn't pass the fan test and the fan test is they put a fan on your face, and if your cur if your hair doesn't flow with the wind, you can't like be a part of our sorority. That's where actually you see some type of racism in Puerto Rico. But that was in the like 1920s, and we've overcome that. We don't do that anymore. We're actually very open people. We're very open-minded like people right now, which I actually found that really unfair. We we stopped doing that if I'm not mistaken, 1940s, 1950s when actually there was a uh, like a well done other world in the UPR system. But yeah, I do believe they should be allowed. We should treat people as equals and we shouldn't generalize people. We shouldn't like 
always be against other people just because they're different from us, just because they have a different ment mentality. You guys should always be open. That's my personal, like, what I think about the topic. We, we are operating in a society that is heteronormative, right? Um, and one which these spaces promulgate these, these uh, norms that exist and these uh, gender roles and identities that are very much limiting, right? So I think Alberto's point is is important in that, um, you know, and we can kind of tie this back to the, the conversation that we were having just a minute ago around structures, right? Like all these, these big, big issues, these big, big problems in our society and where we begin to make a change, right? And this is one of those spaces where we can do that, right? So the hope would be that by, um, you know, making these these changes that in reality, um, in in some time, you won't even recognize as as a change, right? That it'll just be the new normal. Um, we will be able to make some real cultural shift in, in the greater society. So, in some ways, like this is a necessary step, right? Like this is we could view this as a political decision on the part of, in the sense that we're we're taking the power that we do have to to create some change on a very like almost interpersonal level rather than like um, trying to think about these bigger structures, uh, but thinking about it on a, like who can be my brother, who can be my sister kind of question, right? And, and that's where it starts. 100% agree. I think um, the spectrum is so wide that you can't really, we're not in a position to start segregating people just because what you're a male or female or non-binary no if you identify as something and you feel closely that you connecting your values and your beliefs connect with a certain community i feel like any organization should be open to accepting anyone who aligns with your beliefs um i know my sorority at least has been super pro this um i i hope more sororities and fraternities do take these steps but because I do think it's important, at least uh, for Lambda Paikai, we're Latina-based, but we're not Latina-exclusive. We have hermanas from all over the world. So doing this as well, allowing women who, are, who weren't born female but identify as female, I think I'm 100% pro. Um, I don't want to call it a movement because it's not a movement. It's who you are as a person. So I'm super for it. If you identify with the beliefs and are aligned with the people in that community, then I'm all for it. Uh, personally, I'm gay. Like, that's who I am. Like, no apologies. Like, take it or leave it. In terms of my organization, I feel like it was, it wasn't even an issue uh, in terms of when I pledged with my Lion Brothers, with my chapter. But I say that to say this. My organization prides itself on tradition. Uh, more so tradition in the sense like of keeping Latino traditions alive. And you would think that my organization would have an issue with uh, individuals who identify as, as a different sex or assigned at birth females and transition to males. But we don't. We have trans brothers in our organization. Uh, we have gay brothers and it's never an issue. It's not an agenda, but it isn't an issue either. 
Um, and so I personally don't have any issues with it. I know my brothers don't have any issues with it. But I think more importantly, um, what we value in our organization is far greater than any perception that we can have over an individual. If you feel that you are a male and want to pledge our organization, by all means, go ahead and do so. Who am I to try to judge who you are and what you identify with? So long as you value the same traditions that I do, hopefully one day I can consider you my brother. So like, and I think that that should be the mindset that we all should have, whether or not we're in an org or not. If you identify as X, Y, and Z, and you value the same morals that we do, you know, come into the fold. Like, and I think that it should be that easy in terms of acceptance and, and valuing someone. I think that if we all kind of had that mindset, George Floyd wouldn't have died. Like, that's a, ah, I'm so worked up over that, you have no idea. And that's all I gotta say about it. Um, I think it was just uh, great timing that uh, Jeremy went ahead of me. Um, from, for our organization, our motto is to build a tradition, but not to rest upon one. And I think that's uh, really important when it comes to progress, right? Um, a, a good number of our uh, chapter members, specifically in Pi Omega, um, have faced experiences where they were discriminated by their sexual orientation and how they identified. And at least just from a local level within our chapter, I think that's something that we um, were proud of, that uh, that's something that's never been in question, whether a person is valid uh, through, based on their identity, their beliefs. I think it's just always, you know, having that good faith and being open to whoever is interested. Uh, on a national level, I believe we do have a lot of work to do uh, in terms of this topic. Um, but I think it's just getting over the whole idea of this theme of masculinity and, um, you know, just because we support others who may identify out of the norms, or so they say, um, doesn't mean or belittle any vision or perception of our organizations. And I think it's just even more powerful when we're united and we are accepting of these other groups. Now, the folks that are leading our organization are, are folks that are aware, um, aware of university life, aware of the politics, aware of the legality of it. And I study masculinity so much, and I think I'm, my thing is I always want to educate people and, and I think that people need to understand that the ways of becoming a man and of living a man and a woman change for all of us and we all have different interpretations of what it means to be a man or a woman because not all of us grow up with the same privilege not all of us grow up with the same disadvantages um, and gender sort of fluctuates and I mean if you study sort of just before you know we were colonized like more than three genders existed and um you know two-spirited folks exist still to this day and i think that our perceptions of gender within fraternity life are very colonized perceptions are very binary um when really research about this has been happening for over you know 50 60 70 years in regards to 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 this i feel like it's a step forward for our organization i feel like it's the right thing to do one of the things that i tell people is how do you already don't know if we already have transgendered folks in our organization, right? Like I personally have never asked anybody to show me their genitalia. And if, and if people associate genitalia to gender, then they need to have, um, 
more awareness of how gender and, and, and sex are constructed. And also I've had, a, I've faced a, a lot of people that are like, well, I'm okay if they transitioned, right? If they've already gone through the whole gender reassignment and I'm like, or sex reassignment, sorry. Um, and I tell them, well, that's a very expensive procedure. And if our organizations are supposed to cater to people of color, a lot of our communities don't have health insurance. A lot of our communities don't have disposable income. Many people continue to live on the same body that they were born in, but they present themselves, right? Like the, their gender presentation, their gender uh, expression is very different. And for an organization that is exclusively for men, um, we don't have enough conversations of what it means to be a man and, and sort of like the different types of masculinities and the different types of manliness and manhoods that exist. And obviously, I mean, that's like a life journey, right? But if people were to tap into these things and just understand that not everybody identifies with the same things that I do and not everybody lives by the same creed and sort of experiences that I do, but you need to learn to respect them, right? And, and one of the things that I tell people is like, You know, um, Benito Juarez said que entre los individuos como las naciones el derecho al respeto ajeno es la paz. And that's one of our pillars. And I'm like, if you cannot respect other people, then are you really living by what our organization is about? And they can't, they, they don't come back at me, right? Like they want to dissuade um, it because they real, I'm throwing our own values to their face. Um, so I think it just starts with acceptance and respect, you know, uh, and, and we need to do it across the board, not just my organization. Thank you. And with that said, that is all the time that we have. Thank you all for joining us. For everyone at home, make sure you like the video, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow us on Instagram. Also, if you'd like to collect information from your Greek organization and create your very own brother, sister, and family-owned list server, check the link in the description below, copy and edit, fit in you to your organization and their members, Then send it to conversamos.latinidad at gmail.com to be put on a larger shared database that will be distributed late in the year. This is when Greek life engages with cooperative economics. Let's support each other. And tune in next week as we discuss about machismo and patriarchy in the Latina community. All here in Conversamos. Yo, is it that wrong? I'm making a song, I'm taking it back for the platform that I formed. You can talk about transform. I run the reservoir, the predator, like a hungry carnivore. When I'm breaking through these heavy doors, this is desert storm. A metaphor to storm, like cryptid informed. I'm striking with the mega force, I'm lukewarm. Your crew swarms with the fear my lyrics do harm. If you ain't letting a hand, I'm breaking your two arms. So listen. I'm stepping in pivots on my mission, I'm craving I envision these premonitions like raving, I'm gifted I say that every time the shift to my agent My advanced pacer remains in the basement where I'm chasing pavements Plate erasing with this